a few moments. The story of Jesus walking on water. Now back then, it was kind of like the pinnacle of historical criticism as an interpretive approach to Scripture. Remember historical criticism, going back in time in order to learn about what was happening at the time the words were written and what they meant to the first hearers. So that when we understand what they meant to the first hearers, we could bring that message forward to apply it to our lives. Historical criticism has given us some wonderful information that helps us to be able to better understand the Bible. Simple example would be <clears throat> through historical criticism, we've come to know how much the, the Jews at the time of Jesus despised the Samaritans. So when Jesus tells the story of a good Samaritan for a Jew in that time, there was no such thing as a good Samaritan. And it helps us to understand the scripture a little bit better. So historical criticism has made, a, has made an important contribution. But along with historical criticism came kind of a demythologizing of the Bible. And by that I mean that it came kind of this process of explaining away the miracles of Jesus, finding other explanations than them simply being miraculous. And that was what was happening in this Bible study that I attended. We were talking about Jesus walking on the water. And one of the people in the class said that he had heard that, that the storm that the disciples found themselves out on in the Sea of Galilee had caused some big sandbars to develop. And that Jesus wasn't walking on the water, he was walking across these sandbars. So the miracle was him knowing where to walk. Again, the stepping stones, exactly. And it's like, really? Really? I mean, the place where the boat had been pushed by the storm was more than 140 feet deep. It was miles from shore. That's a lot of sand. That's a lot of sand. Of course, this whole demythologizing of the Bible really resulted as bankrupt. I mean, it did nothing good for us, and it really resulted in us often just simply missing the point of the Scriptures altogether. It was in the book of Job where we hear that God... God walks across the waves. God can walk across the storms of life. When Jesus comes walking across the water in the midst of that storm, a statement is being made that he is Emmanuel, God with us. And we don't want to miss that because that's such a central part of the message of this passage that this Jesus who is walking across the water is Emmanuel, God with us. God walks across the waves. But now having said that, we want to spend the rest of our time looking at this story from the perspective of Peter. This sermon series is about Peter who's flawed and faithful. And so we're going to look at this story from Peter. Remember, Peter is the most influential person in the gospel story, second only to Jesus. He's mentioned about 200 times in the gospels. 
And to put that in perspective, all the other disciples combined are mentioned less than 50 times. Now, Peter was a fisherman. He grew up fishing. His father had a fishing business. He and his brother Andrew learned the business from his father. When his father died, he and Andrew took over the family business. So they were fishermen for their whole lives. The place they fished was the Sea of Galilee, where today's story takes place. And so Peter, who had spent his whole life on that lake, he knew the lake. He knew how far it was from Bethsaida to Gennesaret. He knew how wide and how long the lake was. He even had a sense that it was pretty deep. I mean, he couldn't really tell for certain how deep it was. Back in those days, the way that fishermen would determine how deep a, a lake or a sea was is that they would take a weighted rope and they'd throw it overboard. And when the weighted rope stopped sinking, they could measure how much of the rope had gone into the water and determine how deep it was. But the Sea of Galilee was too deep for that, over 140 feet deep. They couldn't, they couldn't measure it in that way. So all this, this fishermen knew was that it was really, really deep. In fact, they believed that it was so deep that it reached all the way down to the underworld. In those days, they believed in the underworld, a place of demons where creepy things dwelled. And they believed that because the Sea of Galilee was so deep that there was like a portal from the underworld that would allow these creepy things to come up into the water, into this world. And of course, creepy things come out at night, right? When it's dark, it comes out. So in the darkness of the water in its deepest place was that place where the fishermen and the people of the area would have believed, you've got you to stay away from there because... You don't know what's coming up out of that water. When the storm hits and a boat is pushed out into the deep, they end up over the abyss, over that place. And when they see a shadowy figure walking toward them in the dark, they scream out, it's a ghost. And they scream out, it's a ghost, because they really believed it was a ghost. And so they were terrified. And we don't want to miss that part of the story either. Just how terrified they were. Now Jesus speaks to them. and says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. Let's pause and listen to the reading of Scripture. Okay? Today's Scripture reading is from the book of Matthew, 14th chapter, verses 22 to 34. <clears throat> Immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered them, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on your water. 
He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Kind of had an ironic moment last night. Um, Pastor Tim and I and some of the uh, a delegation from our church went down to the Phoenix area for a special session of our annual conference uh, that took place yesterday. And so we were flying back from Phoenix uh, late last night. And uh, I was still putting the final touches on my sermon. I was still working on my sermon, kind of confessional right now. It was a busy week. So I was still working on my, my sermon. So I had this story of of the storm and the, being lost out to sea and Jesus coming walking across the water. And as we're getting ready to take off, the pilot says, there's a storm about ready to hit. We're going to hit a little bit of turbulence, but we'll try to get out to the east of it. And he took off. And a little bit of turbulence was maybe a bit of an understatement. <laughs> we were bounced and thrown all around. You begin to realize that these planes aren't maybe as big as they seem when you're in the middle of a storm getting bounced all around. And we finally got to the east. But I, but I couldn't help but think, you know, I'm thinking about this story. And here I am in my own boat, this ship, this uh, plane, in the midst of a storm. And I wonder if I looked out the window, it's kind of dark, but... You know, in today's time, would Jesus come walking across the clouds? I just kind of wondered that. Anyway, with that, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable unto thee, O Lord our God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Simon Peter, faithful but flawed. Faithful. Sometimes Peter said some of the most profound and faithful things. But flawed. Sometimes he put his foot in his mouth. And he said some of the craziest things. Faithful. Like when Jesus asked, Who do you say that I am? It was Peter who was the first one to blurt out, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. But flawed. A few moments later, Jesus said, I'm going to be arrested and, and beaten and, and killed. And it was Peter who said, oh, no, Lord, that's never going to happen to you. Faithful. At his last supper, at Jesus' last supper, Peter said, I will follow you anywhere, even to the death. But flawed. Just a few hours later, he denied even knowing Jesus. He was faithful, but he was flawed. And I think it's one of the reasons that we connect well with Peter. Because, well, we're faithful but flawed. We're, we're saints and sinners, right? And we have our moments where we are faithful, but we're not perfect yet. And neither was Peter. Faithful but flawed. Today's scripture, Peter says one of those things that makes me scratch my head. It makes me wonder, was this a moment where he was being profound and faithful? Or was this another one of those times where he's putting his foot in his mouth and just, 
and just saying crazy things. They were out to, to sea. Storm had pushed them out into the depths of the lake. And they were frightened. But then Jesus comes walking across the water. At first they think it's a ghost. And Jesus hears them scream. And so he, he says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. You know, that's the thing he says the most often in the Gospels. Do not be afraid. And then Peter says this interesting thing. He says, if it is you, command me to get out of the boat and walk to you. Really? That's the first thing he thought to say? If it's you, command me to get out of the boat and walk to you. Well, if it wasn't Jesus, I'm sure whatever it was could have said, well, go for it, right? <laughs> Give it a try. But even knowing it was Jesus, that's the first thing he thought to say. How about, Jesus, if it's you, get in the boat. Or if it's you, take my hand, I'll help you in the boat. Or if it's you, what are you doing out there? But... If it's you, command me to get out and walk to you. Seems kind of crazy. But I don't think it is. I think it's one of those moments of great faithfulness for Peter. The disciples had set out to see. Jesus had just fed the 5,000 and told them to leave Bethsaida and to meet him at the Gennesaret. And so they set out to sea. And the fishermen on the boat, they knew exactly how far that was. It was about a seven and a half mile trip. They knew how long it would take them, maybe a couple of hours rowing. If the current was with them, maybe a little faster. They knew exactly where they were headed and how long it would take to get there. But then... Seemingly from out of nowhere, there came this storm that started pushing them away from shore out toward the depths of the sea. And we can picture them rowing as fast, as hard as they could to try to keep themselves close to shore. But no matter how hard they tried, they kept getting pushed further and further out to that point where they had to be exhausted, had to be exhausted from all of the rowing, trying to keep themselves from being pushed out into the abyss and yet it didn't seem to matter what they did. They had no control over the storm. And they soon found themselves out in the place where they would least want to be. As Jesus comes walking toward them, they're certain it's something creepy that's come up out of the water. They're certain it's a ghost. And so they scream. And at this point, I picture them falling to their knees. Although I know they're in a boat rowing, so they probably really couldn't fall to their knees. But I picture them falling to their knees because we know what that feels like, to fall to our knees. Life has a way of bringing us to our knees. We can be going about our lives, living our lives, thinking that everything is going well. Feeling like we have everything under control. And everything's working out exactly the way it's supposed to work out. We can feel like we're headed in the right direction toward that destination for which we had set out. And everything seems to be going good, not realizing that off in the distance 
some storm clouds are beginning to form. And then all of a sudden, as if from out of nowhere, a storm hits us. Maybe it's a phone call that there's been an accident. Or the doctor comes in and says something that we never expected to hear. Or a relationship begins to fall apart and it doesn't seem to be something that we know how to pull back together again. Or it's a job that we have loved that suddenly disappears and is gone. Or it's a downturn of the economy. And when life comes at us in those kinds of ways, when the storms of life hit us, it can seem as though it doesn't matter how hard we try or how hard we row, we just can't seem to make things work. We feel out of control. Out of control of our lives. When we feel out of control, it becomes very natural to become afraid. Afraid of what the future is going to hold. Afraid of another shoe dropping. Afraid that we don't have it in us to see our way through. Afraid that we're going to drown in it all. Life can bring us to our knees. So I picture the disciples being brought to their knees. Jesus comes walking toward them and says, It is I. Do not be afraid. And that's when Peter says this most curious thing. He says, if it is you, command me to get out of the boat, walk to you. And it seems like a crazy thing to say, but I'm thinking this is maybe one of Peter's most profound moments. One of those moments when he gets it most right. Because he recognizes that even in the midst of his own fear in this boat, Jesus is not in the boat with him. He recognizes that Jesus is out above the storm. And that if he wants to be with Jesus, he needs to trust him enough to step out of the boat. And so he says, if it is you, command me to get out of the boat and walk. And so Jesus simply says, come. Come, because Jesus knows that if he will trust him enough to get out of the boat, he will find out that there is a power greater than the storms of our life. If he'll trust him enough to get out of the boat, he will find out that there is a power that is able to help him rise above the stuff of his life. I mean, this is a lesson that I've had to learn over and over and over again. Excuse me. Too excited. My mic keeps falling there. There we go. I've had to learn this lesson over and over throughout my life. For 16 years, I was stuck in a boat of fear, afraid to answer my call to ministry. But Jesus just kept saying, come, come, trust me enough to step out. And when I stepped out, I realized the storm was not nearly as bad as I thought it would be. Be. The one who said, come, was saying, don't live 
in fear. Come, live with me. I've had to learn this lesson over and over again. Eight years ago when my father was diagnosed with a terminal cancer, the news came out of the blue for us. And nobody in our family was ready for that news or certainly ready to see anything happen to to our dad. And in those times, you can feel like you have so little control. There's so little that you can do. I mean, what can you do to change things? But Jesus just kept saying, come, come, trust in me. And it was when I was willing to just say, okay, I trust you and I'm going to entrust my father to you that I could feel myself rising up above it a little bit. Jesus is saying, don't let your life be consumed by cancer. Instead, be with me. I've had to learn this lesson lots of times. This last February, when we had leaders from the Methodist denomination who gathered from all over the world, they met in St. Louis and they made some decisions. And there was nobody from us who was there. They made some decisions. And the decisions they made broke my heart because it hurt people in our church that I love. And I was frustrated and I was angry. I was angry. And I was in that boat of anger for a while. Three and a half, four months later, when we went to our annual conference, a gathering of leaders from around here, and I realized I was still very angry. But still, Jesus just kept saying, come, come, just trust in me. And when I finally decided, you know what, I'm just going to trust and step out of that boat, I realized the storm wasn't a storm at all. It was turbulence leading toward a new future, a new opportunity. Yesterday, at the special session of annual conference, I presented to our conference a way forward, dreaming a new Methodist movement, a new opportunity. Come, Jesus said, don't let others tell you how to live your life. Live it with me. Live it with me. I mean, we all get stuck in stuff at some time or another. We do. We can get stuck in our fear. We can get stuck in our anger. We can get stuck in our disappointments. We can get stuck in our shame. We can get stuck in our frustrations. We can get stuck in all sorts of different kinds of things. We get stuck. We get stuck. But there is one who walks on water, who can help us to rise up out of that which holds us down, which tries to pull us down. As a pastor, one of the ways that I've seen people get stuck often has to do with God calling people, God laying something on a person's heart, maybe on your heart, to do something. And God has equipped you to do it, and God's given you a passion to do it, but you can't quite figure out how you can make it work. can't quite figure out how you can fit it in. Or maybe it's just that you're afraid that you're not going to succeed or going to drown in the midst of it all. And yet Jesus still just says, come, trust in me. I'll help you rise up. Come. So Peter, Peter got out of the boat. And immediately he discovered that the storm did not have as much power as he thought. 
the one toward whom he was walking had greater power than the storm. He took a couple of steps across the water. And we know the rest of the story. And then he took his eyes off of Jesus, right? And this Peter, who was the rock upon which he would, Jesus would build his church, ended up sinking like a rock. So we, we know the rest of the story. Jesus was there to save him. But don't miss the point. Jesus was there to save him. He got out of the boat and Jesus was right there to help him. To do for him what he could not do for himself. Well, I mean, this is a powerful story. This is a powerful, wonderful story about this one who is Emmanuel who walks across the waves, whose power is greater than any trouble we might find, who, who says to us, come, and then is there to help us in our times of need.